0: What's going on, everyone? Scott Fontana here, Dan Urban over there, and we are back with what I promise will be one of the finest installments of the Couchside Judges we have put together. We welcomed UFC fighters to the show. We've welcomed top referees as guests. Today, for the first time, we will speak with one of the world's most respected judges. Settle in for a fantastic conversation with Ben Cartledge.
1: Scott and I are pumped for Ben to join us remotely from England. We've got a ton of ground we'd love to cover with him about what it's like to be a mixed martial arts judge. He'll tell us all about how he came to be a judge, some of the challenges he and his peers faced, and how he and his fellow top-level judges are always working between events to sharpen their skills. Listen and learn, my friends.
0: Dan, I'm really pumped for this, so let's just dive right into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Our guest today as I said before, is Ben Cartledge, who is one of the most respected judges in the world among his peers. He has been judging fights for more than a decade for promotions such as the UFC, Cage Warriors, KSW, and Bellator. He was actually the first UK-based judge to judge MMA in the United States. Most recently, he was one of seven judges to work the four UFC Fight Island events in Abu Dhabi. So you might remember hearing his name several times in July. Welcome to the Couchside Judges, Ben. Thank you for taking the time. (laughs) <laughs> no problem. How are we
2: getting on? Okay.
0: Oh, we're doing okay over here, you know, all things considered, uh, as we're we were good. just talking about. It's, yeah, it's doing uh, pretty good. It's tough being inside, right?
2: Yeah, it's a crazy time.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking, you and I, for a little while, but getting you on. And I was originally surprised that you even... We're open to the idea of coming on the show because, you know, U.S. officials, as you know, are discouraged from doing media. Do you think that's kind of a byproduct of the fact that there aren't state commissions overseas, the same as it is in states?
2: Um, I'm kind of not sure, really. I mean, I've worked for a few different uh, athletic commissions. I think the the primary thing with if you are going to or if you do want to kind of talk to media in general is the way that you approach it like the you got like a, a professional way of kind of approaching it and i love the the stuff that uh, i love the stuff mark Goddard does i love the podcast that he does and the interviews that he does and he's just a great ambassador for for uh, the professionalism that you need to be a mixed martial arts official uh, and i think that as long as you approach these things in a in a, an educational kind of perspective i think we all get better and then when we all get better the job's easier for everybody right oh yeah so when you first
0: you know when i first started looking into you ben you know, don't don't think I was stalking you or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of pumped to find out that you were a big gamer, particularly of games from the '90s. You know, I'm I'm 35. I, th- I believe you turned 40 in July, right? Yeah, and,
2: so and, uh, I turned 40 on. It's really weird because we we judged uh, the events out there in Abu Dhabi were done local time, um, so uh, we were, they were done at like two o'clock in the morning because um, the, the for for kind of US time. So um, the uh, masvidal and uh, Usman card uh, the pay-per-view card was on july the 12th which was my 40th birthday so like I, I spent kind of my birthday judging fights at eight in the morning in the middle of a desert it was quite strange really but it, yeah <laughs> certainly it's not one i'll forget in a hurry
0: you're not gonna have a birthday like that again for no, sure
2: I, I can't i wouldn't have thought so
0: but you know when when uh again back to games though i, I definitely want to talk to you about games uh before we get into like fighting stuff so how did you get kind of into this love of gaming
2: um I've, I've played video games for as long as i can remember really like um uh, i would have been what was your first console uh console wise i had a sega master system in 1990 so i would have been 10 mm-hmm. and then i had a uh, super nintendo playstation dreamcast uh, pc a little bit um and then it's, it's funny really because i fell off um getting newer consoles really i kind of stopped buying newer stuff and i realized that all I was doing was when I bought, I bought a, uh, uh, he's going back a bit now, like 2008 ish. I bought a, a PS3 and the first thing I bought was like a, a collection of, of old Mega Drive games. And I thought to myself, all I'm I doing had that was, one. yeah, but I'm just thinking to myself, I'm buying a, a 300 pound Mega Drive emulator here. Like I just need to get a good PC and then I won't need to, get, <laughs> I need to keep doing this. So, uh, I got myself a decent PC and then, um, uh i just kind of started getting quite heavily into the emulation scene really which is great because uh i just um i don't know it's 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 nice to be able to play that kind of stuff uh, whenever you want really Emulation's really cool like that and uh yeah like i just i don't know i guess i just uh i guess i just never stopped
0: yeah i, I mean i still play games too i play newer games i play older games i've got all the old uh um emu- you know the emulation consoles they release nes classic that kind of oh yeah I plan to show my kids that when they get a little older uh, and get them in before they you know get too uh, you know snobbish for the old games we play. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's uh, very
2: true the mini consoles are really cool i took one over to um you probably saw the photos i put up i took one over to uh, when i did Fire island um so i took a i had a, a mega drive or genesis it was over in the states uh, yes. a, a mega drive mini and uh, i had a couple of six-point controllers and uh we had a about a big tv in the room and once our tests came back and we were in um, uh, obviously none of us tested positive for uh, for kind of corona like um me and a couple of other officials spent quite a lot of time like uh playing all video games really
0: did you play any fighting games like street fighter
2: yeah well like um we did a little we didn't play too much we tended to play it uh, it's really weird because the, uh, the the mega drive one you can um with most of them like you can you can um modify it and put a load of other roms on so i put a uh, i'm familiar i, on? I, I yeah, may or may not course. have done that nice yeah, I me. Mean, I, of course, I didn't, but obviously, I did. I put a side pocket. I put side pocket on by Data East, and me and uh, Rich Mitchell and a load of others spent ages playing that. Um. So yeah, that was quite. A, yeah, that was a lot. We played a lot of side pocket, really.
0: Okay. So you know, just to kind of steer it closer to fighting, but still stick with games. What's your favorite fighting game
2: ever? Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe Street Fighter Two Turbo, probably. Um, okay. one of the Street, one of the Street, the nineties Street Fighter games, I think. Um, I think being, I don't know, like 11, 12, 13, when that series came out, seeing the impact that it had kind of in the arcades. And the funniest thing was, like, I look at like um, the uh, around about the time I started playing a lot of Street Fighter, like the the concept for uh, Street Fighter 2, the World Warrior is basically what the UFC was. Pretty yep. much, <laughs> it's incredibly. You just get fighters from all over the world and and get them to fight each other and see who wins, like and that's and you got to think that's coming at a similar time, right? UFC, the first UFC is what ninety three ish in that kind of neighbourhood. So like it's all kind of a uh, the, the the meeting of those two was kind of a bigger uh, a kind of big thing for me down the line. I think.
0: You think so? Yeah.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and then I ended up playing the um I had the UFC game on the Dreamcast. That was about two thousand, I think. That was quite, that was, uh, I was a big fan of that. I
1: didn't even I know they had I one. Them. I didn't even know they made a Dreamcast game.
2: Yeah, yeah, it came out in 2000. Had, um, uh, it, it had a, an FMV intro and it had uh, it had Megadeth on as well. I seem to remember. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was incredible. <laughs> I just remember playing a lot of it. Um. But the funny thing was like uh, that kind of bridge, because I watched a few of the UFC, early UFC videos. I hired them out from my video rental store. And then in the UK, there was just no way to see it at all there was no like there's no widely available internet isn't there there's no ways to kind of now it's just there at a touch of a button isn't it but then it was ridiculously hard to try and to try and do so kind of i i couldn't watch it and uh but in the early 2000s getting the uh the dreamcast game and playing that for years kind of continued my interest in it so where uh, there's a point when uh in about 2004 2005 when the ultimate fighter broke and there was a uk uh cable channel called bravo that started showing the um the, the ufc the, the the ufc game kind of stemmed my interest between when i could watch it and then when i couldn't watch it pretty much that's wild yeah so were crazy times
0: so let me ask you real quick too because we, we thought this would be fun comparing a couple of uh fighting games from the 90s you know let, let's give it like a like a judges score 10 9 kind of thing okay we've got street fighter to you know whichever your favorite street fighter is yeah against your favorite mortal Kombat who
2: wins oh <sighs> That's, I don't know. Mortal Kombat 2 is probably my favorite. My favorite Street Fighter is probably Street Fighter 2 Turbo. So mm. who,
0: is it 10-9 somebody or 10 Yeah, it's gotta be on it.
2: That's quite close. If you start playing one of the later Mortal Kombats, so you we're, we're wandering into 10-8 territory because that series dropped off really quickly. But um <laughs> okay. yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah, I'd say Street Fighter. I'd say Street Fighter 2 uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo 10-9s most things. Do you know what I mean? Okay. E- easily 10-9s most things.
0: <laughs> what what about
2: Tekken? That was one Dan mentioned. And, oh that's decent as well oh, I played a lot of Tekken
1: yeah I was a fan of Tekken oh. I used to go on ski trips and uh, not even go skiing because they had the Tekken arcade game and you know the lodge
2: <laughs> that's incredible that happened in the UK all the time because like we had them um, you just you'd have arcades where all the machines would be but then like uh, shop owners would realize the fact that you could get a load of people in your shop who just, if you had an arcade machine in there so I played loads of it uh, I played Street Fighter 2 mostly in a video rental store I never rented a single video from that place. <laughs> you just played it there. <laughs> yeah, we just used to go in. <laughs> so you're just, the reason these things went under. Yeah, it's, it's me and Netflix, yeah, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> no, more, more you than Netflix, obviously.
2: <laughs> All
0: right, I, I could talk games forever, but I do want to steer the conversation back to judging and, and, and of course, you uh, being a prominent judge in the sport. You know, I know a lot of judges who got involved because they competed uh, or they were martial arts lifers or you know in some cases there were boxing judges who came over your path is different can you talk a little bit about your path to the judges seat
2: yeah um i mean i yeah uh, I, t- I trained martial arts in some description for for quite a while i did like like everybody did if you're in the 90s i did kind of karate as, as a as a kind of youth and then fell out of that when i learned how to play guitar and then mm. um and then i remember i got back into it when in my early 20s um and it was a friend of mine who i'm still good friends with uh, said oh we should you should get back uh training martial arts again and i was like yeah i probably should so found a new karate place this is about 2001 2002 ish and then um stuck with it for a little bit but was aware of the fact that um mixed martial arts was slowly getting more popular and getting more popular in the in the uk really and then um we went to a, me and my friend, we went to a class, like a karate class, and it was pretty, like, it was kind of quite boring. And uh, my friend, like, when, when we were driving out, because he, he was driving, he said, uh, uh, we should go to uh, Ross Poynton, who at that point had just been on The Ultimate Fighter Season 3. He was like, oh, Ross Poynton's got a gym near it. We should go check it out and just see what, and I was like, yeah, well, it's only that way, so let's go. So we, uh, that was in about 2005, 2006-ish, and uh, we went, um, went to Ross's gym, uh and met him and he was really cool and started doing uh, a bit of jiu-jitsu from there really um trained that um for like I say a, a good couple of years and then uh we've got a did. jiu-jitsu background too Dan and I actually met doing jiu-jitsu yeah it's it's like it was mainly like mostly kind of uh, mostly nogi really but we just used to go there and spar and and I enjoyed like the fact that MMA then made a lot more sense like the, 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 the soon you start training it's like everybody says into so the second you start training you you understand it a lot uh, a lot more. I did him um, I used to do a few of the MMA classes as well and, and a, a bit of everything really to start with and then uh, and then the way it happened was uh, Ross himself uh, basically, Came out of the UFC, had a load of really good fights in Cage Rage, and then got into promoting. And he still promotes a show, uh, a show in our area to, to this day, Night of the Gladiators. And he did a couple of shows. And he messaged me and said, because uh, we were always in there talking about fights." He said, "Well, could would you come and do commentary? I've got a couple of other people, but I think it'd be a laugh." And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be fun." That was kind of 2009-ish, and then I met a couple of people there and. I started writing about the sport a little bit for a few websites and picking up kind of bits and pieces like that. And who'd you write for? Um, um, I wrote for, it's all these sites that aren't there anymore now. Yeah, yeah, that's the the thing, isn't it? I wrote for, a a, later on, I wrote for an American site called MMA HQ, um, which was quite cool. Um, I did, uh, uh, I I used to have a column in uh, Fighters Only for a while, uh, like the magazine, yeah. um, About fighters who played video games, ironically. but uh, it fits <laughs> kind of, yeah figures don't it um but but yeah so I did a couple of commentary shows and then through doing a commentary show that my friend put me on to the guy who booked me for that commentary show said oh I need a judge can you do that and I just it was at that point where I just wanted to get to as many shows as possible and it was a regional show not far from me this was July 17th 2010 um so yeah so 10 years ago and I was like well yeah okay and so I managed I uh, Downloaded the criteria, read them through about 50 times. Got a load of fights on on uh, YouTube, or I mean, it's 2010, so they're probably all on Daily Motion or one of those other sites that somehow still keeps MMA up and doesn't get it pulled down. And uh, I I judged a couple of fights and, and watched a load of stuff, and I thought, yeah, I could I could probably do this. And it was a smaller show, and I, I didn't have too many that went the went the distance. But from the second I started it, I was like, this is like different. Like I enjoyed commentary and i enjoyed writing but sitting in the chair and judging i don't know i kind of felt an affinity to it straight away really i just thought to myself i really enjoyed doing this and then slowly but surely over the next kind of two years um all the work that i started getting was judging work as i started uh doing less commentary writing less and then um at the start of 2012 um i got contacted by uh, the great people at cage Warriors. Uh, which i'm eternally grateful for them um, they gave me such a big opportunity because it was just at the point where they were in 2012, they were just about to expand and and kind of go crazy. Yeah. I did 36 events with them in a three year period. So 12 a year for, and they were all streamed live on MMA junkie. I did a load of uh, a load of McGregor's fights, a load of, a load wow. of stuff like that. Um, and from there, it kind of just, it kind of took off really. I slowly, but surely realized that I couldn't do anything. If I wanted to judge properly, I, um, it comes back to mark goddard again like um i had a chat with him after one of the events and he said like uh, he was like oh are you are you doing another show next week and i was like yeah i'm doing commentary and he said uh, he said to me he said you want to stop trying to be like a swiss army knife he said like <laughs> if you want to you want to focus on uh you want to focus on judging or you want to fo- what, what do you want to do and i said i want to judge and he said you want to focus on that and i don't know it's probably the best advice anyone's ever given me regarding regarding my judging and moving just forward just pick something it. right yeah exactly pick a lane yeah. And it t- turns out I was judging. And then not long after that, um, I was kind of uh, fortunate enough to get uh, a call from the UFC. And then that was 2012. I did my first show with the UFC in 2013. And yeah, it just kind of went from there, really. Um, I just regularly... I had a lot of work to start with. I probably had more shows per year then. Um, but I was doing a bit of commentary and a bit of... Do you know what I mean? A bit of kind yeah. of everything. This year is different, obviously. And it's, it's Very a crazy different. situation. Uh, but I mean, for the past four years five years i've done maybe 25 shows a year i think in that kind of in that kind of neighborhood um all over the place with a load of different shows as you mentioned at the start so um it's uh yeah it's it's a great adventure and uh it's it's, it's been uh, it's just been fantastic i've met some great people and i had some great opportunities but um and I don't know yeah, if you, how, I don't know if you started. end up
0: hearing, I don't know if you end up hearing this from your peers or anything like that, or if it's kind of, if it almost feels like people are just kind of blowing smoke or being complimentary. But you know, Dan and I, we talk to officials, um, you know, in private conversation, and you are routinely brought up as one of the top judges in the world, so you're definitely that's, recognized by your peers.
2: That's really nice. I mean, I, I like through working with um, the UFC, obviously, and uh, the last maybe eighteen months doing quite a lot of work with Bellator as well. Um, I've had a, the good fortune to work with uh, a lot of um, officials from uh, from the states, obviously, and uh, those guys are just world class. You know, like I work with like like Sal and Derek and and, and Eric and, and all those guys and Chris Lee, and they're just a, they're just a great bunch of people. Like, and they're just they they're, it's one of those things that like they're just they're always working, just always working the whole time. Like they do so much work, kind of not only just judging but behind the scenes and, oh, yeah. and that's that's why they're in the position that they're in cuz they're just uh, <laughs> they just never stop the grind the grind is uh, very real for those people.
1: Yeah, those guys uh they put in a lot of work. But I uh I had a lot of uh specific questions about judging. I was curious how often you find yourself utilizing the monitor uh when it's available.
2: I am um, it's one of those things where I try only, only to use it when it's completely necessary. But when it is completely necessary, it's a bit of a lifesaver, really. Um, because uh, you can move a little bit in the chair where you are. Um, it's very rare that you're in a position where you are completely can't see anything. But um, uh, there's sometimes when, uh, for example, if there is a, a submission on or something, um, and the monitor camera, which is the same camera that the, the uh, broadcast feed gets, is an overhead view of that so you've got quite a a good uh you've got quite a good kind of barometer of that um i try and the 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 more you judge the better you get at kind of almost predicting where the action's going to go you know and i suppose as well that's another benefit of of kind of training is the fact that you understand um the the sequences a little bit more and you see kind of things um not before they happen that's ridiculous but you know what i mean You (laughs) you get more of an idea of of where a fight may progress to and you can kind of lean a certain way or or be kind of prepared like that um but uh there was a fight over on fight island and i was talking to uh, one of my uh, judging colleagues uh, mr David Letherby who's uh, another amazing judge lives quite near me actually came up a, a, at exactly the same time and uh okay it was the um oh, i think it was the um the mike grundy fight uh, it's the first round of the mike grundy fight and he had a dars mike grundy did and he was really really tight um and i said and uh, i said to dave did you look at the monitor and he said yeah i did he said because i could see the side of it and then i looked down and then you got that overhead camera view and you could see the guy in the darts really struggling you could see the fact that that was a near fight ending a near fight ending sequence so you've got more kind of uh tools to kind of uh effectively pick out um the 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 most kind of important parts and the significant parts of sequences because where when guys are in a, a position like that um if you're kind of on your eye lines on the, the level with it, you can't necessarily exactly see. Um, of course, you can see if it's on, and you can see kind of hand positions and everything. But sometimes you'll find that if you just have a quick look down at the monitor um as you're kind of moving and maybe get a better view, you might get the ideal view there, kind of a uh, kind of straight away. The good thing with the monitors is they're not kind of flat, so you're not like at ninety degrees. They're angled up a little bit, so you don't have to take your eyes off the uh, you don't have to take your eyes off the action really, which is which is uh, which is ideal. Oh, yeah, I would imagine so.
1: Yeah, well, what, what about when, uh, you know, you get stuck behind one of the cage doors because, you know, they got the extra panel, so your view is a bit more obstructed. It seems like the UFC kind of, for their events, two two
2: two of the judges have to deal with the door uh, panel. Um, It all depends, really. I mean, uh, you can kind of... I, I, I've sat in all three kind of positions, and I haven't... I've never been in a situation, even with the panels, where I haven't... where I've felt like... I consistently can't see anything and if I if if I would do something like that if that did happen I'd kind of notice at the start because I generally like we all do like um when you get to an event we'll all kind of walk around and scope the cage and check where the judging seats are and just kind of have a have a kind of look around and stuff like that but I mean if if there is a situation where um you can't see uh you, you consistently can't see then obviously you'd have a word and see if you could get your chair moved but in situations like that then you'd probably look at uh Moving slightly while sitting in the chair, or maybe utilizing the monitor uh, a little bit more. You've got to kind of uh, think on the fly with stuff like that. But yeah, it doesn't happen there. Uh, it really doesn't happen, uh, kind of very often. The strange thing is, like, there's more. Oddly enough, sometimes there's almost more blind spots with uh, circular cages. Interesting. You, wow. You wouldn't really, th- you wouldn't really think there would be, but that sometimes you'll find that that there's more kind of spots where it seems kind of a lot more difficult to kind of pick action, to pick action from, because obviously, like. Uh, Battle you sickly cages and I know KSW have before and do you know what I mean? There's a lot of promotions who do is that because it. of kind of the, the curvature of the cage and then it just kinda of ends up you get kind of these bad angles where people just disappear? I would assume so yeah I mean without uh without delving it sounds a bit flat earth when you say it like that yeah. but like, <laughs> without delving into it kind of too much uh, it, it's weird like it's just just sometimes you'll you'll sit on a certain kind of plane and you'll think to yourself there's there's maybe more kind of spots here um but yeah I, I can't I'll be honest with you I can't say I've if there is a, a spot where I do feel um or I've felt and I can't think of one recently um where I haven't been able to see kind of properly then yeah I just kind of make make adjustments either just get my chair moved a little bit or use the monitor a little bit until i could do you know what i mean there's always if you're noticing it kind of in the other thing as well as though i suppose is that you can't kind of prep for everything like that you can sit in your chair and you can see what you can see but you only need them you only need the fight to go to a certain area where because there's blind spots in every seat basically um but they're all kind of quite minimalized um but sometimes that happens sometimes a lot of a round will play out if the fighters are maybe clinched up or a bit more static um in a in a position where you maybe can't see and at that point it's up to you to kind of uh, up to you to kind of like I say use the monitors and maybe see if you can't lean around or sit in the chair or uh, or, or kind of or work it out pretty much like i said have, never it's never i don't know it's, it's never an issue really
0: have you ever had the experience i mean you're saying that it really isn't much of an issue but have you ever had the experience where you had a fight and in, and the fighters did kind of disappear over kind of an obstructed part you either didn't have a monitor you didn't get to the monitor in time and maybe you miss something that when you watch later on, you're like, oh, I wish I saw that better.
2: Um, I think the thing is with fights, with a, um, uh, if you do events that don't have kind of monitors, you're already aware of the fact that you might have to move not move as in get out your chair and wander around sure move as in posture around a little bit and just go just go strolling around um yeah (laughs) you need to kind of to like to like lean certain ways and 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 move kind of certain certain ways like that like I think the good thing is with with what I did in terms of my kind of progression to it is that uh, I just did so many shows regionally where um the cages were like dead small and there was loads of people rolling around by the side of the cage maybe security wasn't the best you know what i mean uh-huh. or i did loads of stuff on the regional scene where like you have to develop your uh, you have to cut your teeth kind of doing that and when you come to a, a bigger show and uh, you've already kind of learned uh how to deal with situations like that should they should they kind of present themselves Mm-hmm. and that's that's why that's that's why I, when I speak to I get I speak to loads of people who say oh, I'd love to judge fights what, what would you recommend and I'd always say get to get to regional shows see if you can shadow sit with some judges do you know what I mean speak to promoters look at look at progress see if you can get on a course one of the IMF courses or something like that um, because you you've got to um yeah like that that regional uh, that regional kind of show a uh, uh, kind of progressional pathway is it's just it's so important because it's you don't realize how you 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 build up your kind of uh, ability to deal with stressful situations in situations like that. Do you know? Like your I mean? tolerance like, of of all the. Exactly. Oh, BS. Yeah. Or... yeah. Oh, you've always got loads of fights as well. So on regional shows, like um, I I did a I did a re- I, see I don't do too many now, but I did a regional show in about 2013. There was like 24 fights. Started at four in the wow. afternoon. Wow! My yeah. God! Started at four in the afternoon. I finished it about half one. Like the how, next morning. How many did you do of those? All of them.
1: Oh, my God. God.
2: Yeah. So they just just booked three. Yeah. Yeah. They just booked three.
1: That reminds me of another
0: question, like completely unrelated. If you're doing that many, when do you go to the bathroom?
2: um well here's the thing in 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 regional promotions specifically in the uk there's generally some kind of intermission uh nonsense okay. where you've got time to do that if you need to there's generally some kind of a raffle or a you know <laughs> or, right. a, or a street dance group or some kind of crap my guard demonstration what, where what, people like a
0: halftime with, show at a basketball game
2: exactly yeah yeah do you know what I mean you just go to the bathroom and then come back and there's four guys with like Rubber, like, do you know what I mean? Rubber weapons, like doing, like, knife defense or something. <laughs> like, it's just, it's generally that kind of nonsense. Or so people doing, like, street dance. It's all there. It's all there, the rich tapestry of that kind of nonsense. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there's generally, there's kind of generally time. But, yeah, okay. I think 24 is the most I did. 24, 25, I want to say. And the other thing as well, regionally, is loads of different rule sets as yeah. well. Like, it's a, be- it's a lot better now. There's generally just amateur and pro. But when I started judging, God almighty, You had like, uh, you had that four or five different sets of uh, amateur rules. You had amateur rules where you couldn't get punched in the head at all, standing up or on the ground. You had had amateur where it was like three, four minute rounds, three, three minute rounds, different gloves. You couldn't do certain stuff. Like it was, it was just ridiculous.
0: That's wild. (laughs)
2: The Uh, the days have
0: certainly come a little, yeah. Like they've come a long way. Like you said
2: yeah definitely and a lot of that's down to him you look at the uh, i said about the imaf like a a lot of the work they've done with trying to regulate uh, amateur competition and him and generally now there's just the uh, the, like it's been very rare since i haven't seen an event in years that's advertised uh, amateur different amateur rule sets it's just amateur or professional and it's standardized amateur as well so that's good yeah it's good for the fighters they deserve it. it is yeah of course it is because it's just you you you, it, you just don't want to. It's it's unrealistic to kind of um like when you watch fighters do um uh I haven't seen one in ages. But yeah, when I was doing regional stuff, when you see fighters do uh no headshots, um it's just it changes everything like completely everything. So no headshots yeah. anywhere on the floor or standing. Oh up. wow. Yeah. Not not at all. Yeah. Nothing and nothing above the uh, yeah, no, nothing above the <laughs> chest. So like. Guys are getting taken down and getting mounted. And then it's just like a really strange stalemate. If you can't really <laughs> do anything, people just punch into the body from mounts. It's like strange, strange dynamics that you it's never- It's like BJJ
0: heard. with just body punches? It's, it's,
2: it's just weird. I'll tell you what you saw in that rule set as well. You always saw a load of low blows because people would always get the clinch and then overcompensate that they couldn't knee to the head. So they'd always find knees like instinctively like lower. Like it's just, <laughs> those were- uh... Yeah, they were crazy. They were crazy days to be honest. At least at least we're in a more standardized uh, era exactly. now,
0: you know. And and actually I have a question because of the fact that now things are more standardized and this was inspired by a conversation I had with a judge, you know, can you can you articulate kind of on that thin line between 109 and 108 since the criteria updated a few years ago?
2: Yeah, um the great thing about uh, the updated criteria regarding the 108 is the fact that it's it's so well defined in terms of uh, it talks about, uh, for a 10-8 round, you're looking at, it was originally the three Ds, it was dominance, duration, and uh, damage, but obviously they changed damage to impact because it's not a damage. It's the same it? thing. Yeah, it is, but it's not a great kind of term, is it? You don't want to be back <laughs> kind of, uh, Politically not, speaking. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. There's not nice kind of connotations to it. I get it's a combat sport, but still. Um, so the uh, the updated criteria talks about um, uh, judges considering giving a score of a 10-8, um, if two of those are uh, are present so if a fighter shows dominance so obviously dominance of a round scene in the striking uh, when the losing fighter is forced to continually defend so if if somebody is kind of uh, attacking for the whole round and kind of landing for the whole round um it talks about duration so obviously defined by the time spent by one fighter effectively attacking controlling and impacting their opponent so if somebody has all the if somebody has all the offense for all the round um you would consider based on that it on how impactful those 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 kind of strikes or that action was a kind of 10-8 uh but what it says then is the fact that if all three are present then uh uh you should give a a kind of 10-8 round and the most important right. one uh is impact or uh, or damage with its impact but uh, uh and obviously it says um uh judge assesses uh if a fighter impacts their opponent significantly uh even though uh they might not have dominated the action impact includes visible evidence um and it also talks about um, uh, if a fight is impacted by, with strikes uh, by lack of control and or ability, this can create defining moments, fight-ending scenarios, kind of things like that. So um, the, the, it's the, the bigger, more impactful uh, actions that have got more potential to engineer fight-ending scenarios are of a, uh, a prime importance in effective striking and or effective grappling.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I, I know obviously a lot of talk you guys amongst yourselves do judges as well you know people probably don't know this is that you guys are talking all the time right about trying to get on the same page calibrate your scores and figure out how to be more uniform across the board you know I, i think that's something more people don't realize
2: what can you tell us about that all the time all the time like whenever even if i'm not working an event it's very rare that an event will happen where somebody doesn't message me about something uh, somebody doesn't, uh, a judge that, uh, uh, I've worked with, or maybe, or even if I'm, if I'm working an event, I'll get, a uh, certain judges will message me. Oh, how'd you have that round? Or what'd you think about this? Or maybe D- do you think there's a case for that in this round? Or, or if I'm not working the event or if I'm at home, like I am for quite a lot at the moment, uh, a lot of the times, uh, uh, I'll message a, a, a judge who's thingied that around and said, oh, I thought that was spot on. Or uh, did you think you could have gone this certain way? You're not trying to say what they've done is wrong, but I mean, sure. like uh, you, you'd never do that. But I mean, it's more about um, understanding a little bit more um, the, the position that people have taken regarding certain scores. And the best part of it is the fact that um, just you just can't help but improve with with, with stuff like that. We're all yeah. getting better at that point. Like, We're having these conversations daily about Uh, certain rounds we're all trying to find examples of uh, of 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 kind of rounds where where a certain things happened or or uh, maybe a certain score could be could be dictated and the, the great part with that is the fact that as a judge yourself all that does is that adds to that kind of um that mental kind of database you've got of rounds and scores it adds to that experience that you've gotten when you're in that position, when you're, you're uh, or when maybe afterwards you're talking about scores that you've given or scores that maybe other people have given, you can say, well, it's very similar to this round or it's a similar kind of layout of a fight to kind of, to another kind of round. And it kind of, yeah, you just can't out, but uh, you can't help, but get kind of better. Like it's funny because obviously like I said, I've got a, a group with uh, a lot of European officials and then I've got a couple of groups with uh, a lot of the American guys and, because obviously the time zones are different. Like sometimes sure. I'll wake up and I'll switch my phone on, and there'll just be about two hundred messages all about certain round <laughs> from everybody else, and I have to just, just pick through them over breakfast. Like, but it, and
0: then everyone wakes up and sees what you said—the one thing you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that—that
2: that, it's the <laughs> it's the way it kind of it's the way it kind of happens. But I mean, that kind of it's continuous professional development, right? You get kind of better through through doing that. Like when we did him um, uh, said about doing the Fire Island shows, like. The funny thing was that i did a a cage warrior show in march uh and that was the the couple of days before the uk shut down basically and then i didn't do anything else uh i didn't actually f- physically sit in the chair um for till till july um it had to feel weird yeah it was a le- well it's weird because i'd what we did was for the first three days of being away there we had kind of um uh we had zoom calls every like and we just set this up independently me myself uh, me dave letherby mark collette um we'd have like a three-way kind of zoom call we'd pick like a fight and then we'd just watch it all and we'd score it do you know what i mean as we're going along and then we'd have conversations about different rounds and we did that like four or five times really it's and
0: like what we do on our show except you guys like are actually you know this is what you
2: do instead of us amateurs at home <laughs> <clears> it's not it's not dissimilar like it's just it's just one of those things where you get yourself back in the the mindset of thinking about fights analytically um, and kind of approaching it because it's just so different it's so so different like the mindset that you need to sit there and, and you know yourself if you've watched fights on a fight night maybe with your friends or your family or you're just kind of chilling out you're on your phone you might miss bits and pieces and then when you come to if you're putting a show like this together you come back to like right then we need to watch these fights analytically and you'll watch around and think maybe that's completely different like maybe there's something that i didn't see when i was kind of looking at my phone or getting a drink or speaking to somebody or whatever and and even if you don't kind of miss it the mindset that you've got is completely it's just completely different so to get the opportunity to get back into that mindset was was really good and really useful kind of for me so when i kind of sat down in the chair for that first fight the 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 first one of those four cards, it didn't feel kind of alien and really like the process didn't. Like I sat in the chair and I was like, wow, we're here again. And then somebody's music started and I was like, oh, yeah, right, we're good. <laughs> it all it all felt dead. Uh, it all felt deaf familiar.
1: You know, speaking about focus, I always have trouble figuring out uh, someone who may have won a round when there's a long pause due to a foul in the middle of a round. Yeah. Do you find that challenging?
2: Um, I've had fights before where there's been kind of a kind of long pauses um it is it's kind of like uh spinning plates when there's a lot of stuff like that kind of happening because you've got to unpick a lot of things um but once again I'd, I'd go back to the thing of uh if you're um if you're working a lot of shows and you're you're in the groove of kind of judging kind of quite a lot that process gets less and less uh alien really because the more fights you judge the more fouls you're going to see it's an unfortunate part of the uh, an unfortunate part of the the kind of the, the sport really um but um you just kind of um yeah, you, you you get good at, at um storing that information and and like I say, a lot of judges you'll find will take uh kind of shorthand notes with them, love a notebook, take shorthand notes while not. So you don't take your eye off the thing, or maybe have like a short kind of system or something that a lot of people do. Um or people will be able to just kind of focus through that. There's a lot of ways really. Um I mean I did um over in the uh, over in Fat Island on the first card, I did the fight with the uh the two point deduction. Um yes. Uh, the Leo Santos and Roman Bogatov fight. Um, and uh, so there was quite a lot of things happening in that. And um, there was obviously quite a few fouls. There was quite a few, like I said on, on a, uh, to somebody else, like that's a great example of a fight where I talk about kind of spinning plates really. Like you've got so many things kind of going on. You've got kind of like a, a near 10-8 round and then a turnaround at the end of that round. You've got a two-point deduction. You've got a lot of, a lot of fouls. You've got a lot of time between. Like that fight must have been, over 20 minutes must have been oh like definitely three on <laughs> fight because like i say there, were, there was several fouls and near the end obviously um the the, the the gaps between were getting kind of longer so the the more you do it kind of like that the, the better you get at retaining that focus but yeah it's it's um it's an unfortunate part of the thing but yeah if you're judging a lot of fights then you, you get used to kind of unfortunately seeing kind of situations like that
1: now what about the uh the current state of the criteria you know would you change anything if you were able to
2: um i honestly i don't i'm just i'm super happy with the criteria as it is i think judging now is a place where it's it's just better than it's ever been like it really really is like um the more that you learn about the criteria and the more you read into it the more kind of you understand it because it's so well written um the less room there is for misinterpretation and here's the thing like we're gonna disagree on stuff like it's it's just human nature. Like uh, if you've on, on the very base level, like you've got three you've got three judges, and we're all sitting at different places, so our our physical view of the action is going to be slightly different. So a shot that lands that I might see cleanly, another judge who's sitting in another seat might not see cleanly, and that that might be the difference between me giving around one way and him giving around another way. Um, but here's the thing: um, it's very rare now that you get scorecards that you can't understand. You might not agree. You might think that, well, maybe I think five, red corner did enough, or maybe blue corner had a bit of an advantage. Um, but the the days of um, uh, f- cards coming in regularly, where where maybe people didn't understand, or maybe like that, that, there was kind of more. There's always going to be a bit of uproar, but the, there just isn't as much of that now because judging's improved so much. The criteria's kind of tightened up. It's written so well, so so. so there's just no there's just no daylight in it anywhere to just for, for misinterpretation like you read it and you learn it and you apply it and it's just fantastic um so i think yeah i think i think the funny thing is like in in five years time 10 years time judging will be in a, a better place again i think it's constantly improving i think like uh there's a lot of uh a lot of good officials coming through i think there's a lot of i work with a lot of people um uh, who, are, who are kind of really good consistently really good and and that just that's the progression we need and through the through the the criteria being as as good as it is, it only kind of facilitates that really, because there's less I don't know, there's less opportunities I suppose for that misinterpretation.
1: Yeah, we definitely don't see uh, any crazy scorecards all that often as we used to in the past. But there's definitely, like you said, there's some uproar between you know fans. Is there any misconception that you might be able to clarify?
2: Um, I think the the perspective that you have. Uh, as a fan, if you're watching an event as a fan, is, is so different. Um as, as and I that's speaking me personally, like me uh sitting uh, cage side at an event judging a fight is a hundred percent a different uh physical kind of and mental um kind of uh, preparation. A state. And yeah, exactly, yeah, it's a different, it's a different state completely. Um and you're always gonna get um there's a there's a lot of common uh, misconceptions um regarding kind of uh, re- regarding kind of things that that i don't know kind of like you see a lot of times that um people will misinterpret maybe kind of strike metrics or number of takedowns or things like that really like um kind of common stuff like um people will often find that you maybe you see a fighter will win um uh, if you've got a 5 round fight a fighter might uh, i don't know win a couple of rounds convincingly and then uh, maybe the last three are close. Um, he could lose the decision quite rightly because that's that's a, a credible scorecard. And then there's uproar based on that because people are only gonna, or or maybe the other, the other way sometimes even worse if a fighter wins, um, if a fighter wins uh, maybe a couple of rounds at the start and then tails off. People's but but has done enough to win overall. Maybe somebody wins uh, kind of three closest rounds and then loses kind of two clear ones you know like it's it's that's the those are the ones where you see kind of the uh, the kind of uproar and you get it do you know what i mean people are sure. just um yeah the people like you if you're a fan of the sport you're kind of passionate about it or maybe it's a fight that you like or maybe you've got some money on it or maybe you're watching it with your friends usually or, some money yeah maybe you hammered that <laughs> hammered on a friday night or you don't know do you i mean it's just it's like this these there's a lot of things that kind of that happen that way um but like for me personally, speaking to other officials and, and speaking to uh, judges and referees after events is just is the best way to uh, the best barometer really of, of kind of these things.'ve I've accepted the fact that you can't please all the people all the time with 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 a profession like this. And that's never the that's never the the aim. You've you've got to go in there and and uh act and use the the criteria that you've got as accurately as possible to kind of transpose to a uh, to what you think happened as to what score best represents that those five minutes of, of action. So you're always gonna uh, you're always gonna kinda of do that. But I mean, I don't know, you can't uh, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> that is what they say. So you know actually I want to talk about something. I already asked you this question in private, but you gave such an eloquent answer. I, I not that you have to answer it the same way, but could you describe what makes
2: someone a high quality mixed martial arts judge? Um, I mean, the guys that that I work with that I would consider um of the of the highest level are they're consistent in a lot of things. They're consistent with the work rate. They're consistent with the cards they put in, but they're consistently learning and consistently trying to improve um they're regularly working at events and when they're not working they're discussing kind of events that progressional kind of pathway is something that can't stop when you get to uh, a, a high level or the highest level you're going to get to or the, the the big show so to speak you can't you can't get to the big show and then think i've got my feet under the table here i'm fine like that's where it that's where it, it begins you know that's that's the whole kind of point you hear a lot of people in the uh you, a lot of people in jiu-jitsu circles say about uh, about getting a black belt and that's when it begins you know that's when it really kind of starts that's when your yeah. learning kind of starts and it's funny kind of that with judging because you learn kind of so much progressing um and you've got to be ready for that step uh if you're if you've done kind of the the kind of road work and you've done the you've done the regional scene and you're prepared for that and you've learned um you, you've got to uh you've got to know that you're ready for it but when you are there every show like it always has to be like nothing changes every show still has to be a learning experience you know you still have to want to go back through that stuff you still have to want to kind of speak to people honestly about rounds that you've scored speak to people honestly about things that you've seen and maybe talk about differences in scoring and and, and kind of things like that and um, as long as as long as uh, you kind of keep trying to improve that's the most one of the most important things because i said at the start about all the american guys who i work with in the, the and a lot of the well all the european guys that i've been lucky enough to work with um it's that that's the kind of central focus and the, the the ones that you and it's no coincidence as well it's like people talk about um i remember people saying about uh about about poker i right? see like a lot of people say oh well, a lot of it's luck into it but it's the same people are always winning it's not luck. Like, there's a percentage, there's a tiny percentage of luck, but it's not like the best players play the best. And Dan yeah, can speak like, to from it. He's a big poker player. <laughs> yeah, from, from a judging point of view, like it's not a coincidence that you see Sal and Chris Lee and Derek and, and Eric Cologne. You know what I mean? It's not a coincidence you see these guys week in, week out. It's because they're the best guys. It's because it's because they're the best at what they do. Those are the those are the guys that you see because those are the best guys for the those are the best guys for the job. And and uh and the, like those are the people who you speak to in these, do you know what I mean? These crazy WhatsApp groups with like links to fights that are happening in Kazakhstan where like <laughs> <laughs> where somebody's like, oh, one of my friends did this event. How'd you think this round went? Or how'd you think this round went? And then, you know what I mean? It's like three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and you're watching some five round fight from somewhere in do you know what I mean, Central Asia. But I just wouldn't change it for the year. I wouldn't change it for the world. I love doing stuff like that. I love I love picking through fights like that and and kind of and awesome. having that kind of discourse. Cause you just you just all get better at that point you just a rising, you know what I mean? A rising tide raises all ships, you know?
0: That's the thing. I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand how much passion you guys actually have for doing this. Like, you're not in it for the money.
2: Like, <laughs> come on. It, it, you've got to kind of, um, you've got to make a lot of sacrifices and you've got to want to, you've really got to want to do this, you know? Like, it's 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 tough. It really is tough. Like, I love the, the physical act of sitting down and judging fights. It's fantastic. Like, it's really weird. Like, it feels like, there's a section of my brain that I don't use for anything else other than judging fights. And when I sit down and judge a fight, it's, it's so strange. Like it's, it's kind of, I just kind of feel different when I'm doing it. Like it's just, get those a, endorphins going, man, it's just such a heightened sense of focus. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but I just, I just kind of love it. But the, the, the flip side of that is that, um, you kind of, you do have to be away a bit and you do have to travel a bit and you do have to kind of spend a lot of time learning. And, and, uh, there's a lot of time when you're kind of, uh, and it's it's amazing to get these opportunities and it's it's amazing to kind of see these places and work these events with these people and i wouldn't change any any part of that but that's a big part of the of it that people kind of people kind of don't see is the fact that you you kind of cram everything else in in your life kind of around that you know so i'm kind of uh i'm lucky enough to, like i said I'm, I'm married i've been married for a number of years now i've got a couple of dogs and um, you love those dogs i see pictures yeah, all the time They're incredible <laughs> yeah they're, they're just the best but i mean it's tough like being away from from uh being away from allison and the dogs is just really hard but i mean this is this path is something that i'm really passionate about and i want to kind of improve and kind of get better and i want to keep keep kind of going really so i mean you make those you make those kind of sacrifices but yeah this i think i want to say it was the end of last year right the, the craziest in terms of schedule and, and and crunch kind of the craziest one of the craziest times i had was just before um, just before christmas last year I did a show in um, uh, Senegal in Western Africa. Oh wow! Um, okay. So I flew on a Friday, got there on the got there on the no flew on the Friday morning, got there Friday evening. Show was Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. Like basically straight from the show, we went back to the hotel, got our bags, and went to the airport. Kind of flew home. I got home for about three o'clock Sunday afternoon. We took the dogs to the dog sitters, and then the next morning we flew to uh, Prague in Europe. We always go to the Christmas markets like in, in Europe somewhere. So we did three days okay. in Prague, which is incredible. Like it's a beautiful holiday. And I got home from that Thursday morning, um, 1am. Uh, and then at Thursday morning, 6am, I got picked up by uh, um, my transport to get to the airport. Uh, and I flew to uh, South Korea and did the last show of the year with the UFC. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I flew there and then uh, I got there. Oh, i can't even think i got there friday friday afternoon show was saturday night flew home sunday morning and was home for sunday evening at about six o'clock and i was just in pieces i did like 12 i did 12 flights in a very short space of time that's
0: a lot that's a lot yes. of freaking flyer wow miles.
2: <laughs> yeah it was a lot of traveling like i got i got home on the sunday night and i was just in bits you know I was just absolutely yeah. in pieces no but the funny thing is with with that is the fact that if you're a fan if you're watching that event like him um, when that fight finishes or that event finishes, you switch the event off, you disconnect with that ends, you know, yeah. that finishes, you just kind of go to bed or you get some food or like, uh, if you're watching it in the UK, it's kind of six in the morning. So you try and figure out like, if it's worth going to bed or should you just try and power, should you just try and power, <laughs> try and power yeah. through and get breakfast? But, uh, from an official's point of view, when that, when that ends, like it's, then you've got to get yourself, uh, get yourself psyched up for kind of the travel again. So you got to get yourself back and sorted and figure out what time you need to be where and, and all the rest of it. And it's like, uh, like, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's tough, but I wouldn't change any part of it. Like, it's the, it's, it's just the best job in the world, you know? That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's, it's great to hear how, you know, you know, you're so passionate about it. You hone your craft, you know, you're always trying to improve. But one thing I I'm can, I think about is do fighters or trainers, you know, do they put enough weight into how judges score fights? And I was curious if any fighters or uh, coaches actually uh, seat you out and know ask you certain questions
2: yeah you ever been approached um i've uh in the in the uk um i've had a few kind of it's never anything do you know what i mean on towards or anything never anything kind of uh we're all kind of professionals here but uh after events sometimes because it's you you for me as a as a person as a professional like i don't have any social media kind of ties with any active fighters or active coaches because it's just it seems like the smart way to go yeah why would you do it like it's just, <laughs> you're just putting yourself in a because here's the thing like it's a million to one chance that something like that might happen so say for example you've got um i don't know a friend on a friend on facebook who's fighting and then you've got to end up judging his fight and it's got to be close Do you know what i mean there's a lot of things but why would you even entertain it
0: yeah
2: it's pointless there's one um there's one guy who um who, who fights for Bellator and he does the European shows and he um every every month or so he comes and trains at the jiu-jitsu place that I train at and I've never uh, trained with him never I, I, we went to a seminar once and we were on the same mat but I've never trained with him kind of really um but I worked for Bellator twice and he got put on the card and uh, yeah when you get that email through that says have you got any ties with any of the people on that card I'm just, every time i'm like yeah him make sure i don't work his fight still smart the, it's, yeah exactly it's the way you got to do it you got to you got to declare a conflict of interest there um but i mean in as much as you do that like uh, a lot of the times um you're staying in the same hotel as people do you know what i mean so maybe after the event you'll have uh occasionally you'll have people uh you'll have people kind of come come and talk to you you kind of travel with with, with people sometimes you just kind of see them around and um, with me as well, like having been in it for quite a while now, there's a lot of, um, uh, coaches that I see who maybe I judged as fighters and now they've kind of progressed onto that. Um, so sometimes in the hotel, like you'll maybe have a, a coach come up to you and say, yeah, can you just explain X, Y, and Z? And the great thing now is all you do is the same thing. You just direct them to where the link to uh, the, um, the criteria is, you know, you just say it's all in there those are the it's public it's not like I'm giving you a secret or anything it's public record sure like <laughs> yeah I just say the same thing I say all, all all of us um are all working kind of towards that if you ever read through that it should explain why maybe uh you think around went one way but maybe it went another way so without getting too kind of specific yeah um, you don't kind of uh you don't have to do that you deal with it in a kind of professional way and we're all kind of we're all kind of people we're all kind of professionals but you're just kind of signposting people at a, a kind of that point. And the, the more people, I don't know, like the more people who know about it, the, the better it kind of gets. And in the UK, it's quite good because you'll get a lot of coaches who will go to uh, maybe some of the judging and reffing courses, even if they haven't got an interest in judging or reffing themselves, um, just to brush up on. The criteria and and uh... see
0: that's good to hear that's good to hear I feel like when I talk to other officials it's always like yeah I had one person in 11 years come up to me and actually ask me a question once and I said look at the criteria and he learned something and like that, that's it. that was like the one time they had I feel like it's it's very different yeah, it's, I state. mean
2: it's not it's not super it doesn't happen a lot do you know what I mean but sure. um but, but the thing is like if it's, if it's generally it only has to happen once so I mean, you've only got to point somebody in the direction of the the criteria, and then all the the questions they could ever have about how rounds are scored a certain way are kind of on there, right? Right. So realistically, if that person's kind of read it through, like it's 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 it kind of it kind of solves that really. But uh, but yeah, like you do see it regularly. I spoke to him. Uh, I know Mark Goddard teaches a lot in the UK and around different places, and uh, I know I've seen when he's put photos up of. Uh, seminars that he's done, refereeing and judging seminars. A lot of the time, there's uh, coaches there and and uh, former fighters there. Sometimes, you know, who um, who want to know about uh, official in in that kind of way. And as I said at the start, I mean, it just kind of makes us all better at what we do, right? Absolutely.
0: So uh, yeah, before we go, actually, I just had one more question for you because open scoring has become a much bigger issue this year, especially because uh, maybe you already know this, Kansas has started testing what they call
2: real-time scoring. They have yes. added some Invicta fights. Did you watch that? Yes, I did watch that, yeah. What do you think of it? What do you think of the way they do it? Um I think that um realistically for something like that, um you need to test it out quite a bit and see kind of see how it works really. I like the fact that they're kind of trialing it. Um I think that it's like anything. I think there's there's is the kind of benefits of it potentially is the kind of situations where it could become an issue yes as well um there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of potential but the thing is i suppose you're only going to find that out by kind of uh by trialing it out so i mean i kind of like it uh, i like the fact that they are kind of uh they are kind of doing that it's not something i've ever i've never worked for a promotion who's kind of done that um my understanding are,
0: is they're kind of the first to be really doing this
2: yeah exactly exactly it's good to see stuff like that like you you don't know stuff like this until you kind of uh you can kind of uh try it out and if it's in a situation where um, uh it's it's a kind of uh, a situation where it's not going to present any serious kind of issues then i don't see why they can't kind of trial this out for a while and then obviously the the key thing then is the review procedure afterwards to look at it exactly and say right then we trial this we trial this out for like 10 events what differences did we have do you know what i mean over -hmm. the previous 10 events where did we find there was any situations because there's a lot of times where uh people could potentially the you hear a lot there's a lot of potential uh issues with it but i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna know until uh until you kind of try it out and stuff like that so i mean if if it's done kind of in a professional and then a kind of a safe kind of fashion like stuff like this is then uh, um you can only we can only all learn by stuff like that
0: absolutely it's it's all about pushing the sport forward it seems like really exactly yeah well listen ben you know Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. I think we went way over the time we discussed but you, no, you have fun. so much interesting things to say and, and I, I think it's been very helpful for listeners at home I hope uh, spreading the education of what you guys do and um, knowing kind of what they're watching in the sport.
2: No thanks very much like it's good to it's good to get and, and kind of talk a bit of criteria really and, and to kind of go through a bit of uh, judging theory um, because it, it just it kind of helps us all really. It helps us all kind of kind of learn. And like, I'd say the same thing. I'd say if, if there's, that's the great thing about, like when I kind of started judging, there wasn't the resources there are now. Like if you want to learn about, you want to learn about this now, then if you, if you watch a fight on Saturday night and you don't agree with the decision, well, what'd do you do? You go on MMA decisions and see how the rounds are scored. Yeah. And then you think to yourself, okay, well, what rounds don't I agree with? Then you download the criteria and you think to yourself, right then. Okay, so maybe I don't agree with X, Y, and Z. All right, then I'll read this. And then I can rewatch the fight and correlate it against what people saw. And do you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's fantastic to have the ability to be able to do that is great. And like, the like the, the stuff where like, I say the, the cri- the updated criteria up on the, uh, the ABC site and the uh, MMA decisions. I mean, what a resource that is. Oh like, my goodness. Yeah. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> a great phenomenal. site. It's absolutely phenomenal. I used to love it when like, um, I, I don't think uh, it's he's still got kind of the flags, Annie. So everyone's profile's got like a Google Maps. And whenever you register a decision, you get a flag in the different kind of country. <laughs> and uh, I always used to, uh, me and my, we always used to talk about it all the time about getting flags in different, different places. And uh, my friend, my friend uh, and judge, Mr. Mark Collette, he did a show on, in Australia and uh, the Gold Coast. And he had uh, six fights and none of them went the distance. He was heartbroken. Like <laughs> he flew <laughs> all the way out there. I remember that. A, yeah. Didn't get a flag. He was just like, I can't believe. It. <laughs> I Can't believe it. But yeah, these things are. Uh, yeah, these. <laughs> this is great. I love going on that site. It's, it's really good and and it kind of. Um, that's another reason why people are more okay with judging now because the great work that, that Chris has done with that site is incredible. He has done uh, wonderful work. Yeah. It kind of a uh, and and that's another another tool that you can use here. So um yeah so I've I've done him. Um, uh, quite a few zoom calls with um a lot of different uh, officials and from from different kind of uh organizations and from all over the place and they use mma decisions on there regularly like they'll uh they'll show a fight and then they'll discuss it and then they'll bring up mma decisions you got a breakdown of who scored what round in a certain way and then do you know what i mean if, if it's if you're the judge who's done that they'll ask you to, to explain why you did that round a certain way so i mean it's this yeah it's just it's great but uh yeah judging's uh Judging's in, in the best place that it's been in the time that I've been involved with it. And as long as I'm still involved with it, I'll still keep trying to kind of get it kind of better. And I'll, I'll still keep trying to kind of uh, help other judges out and, and, and kind of improve and, and get better. And at that point, we all do. And, and I think that's what we all want, really. Everybody wants the best people in those kind of seats. and you're only Oh, gonna, they really do. <laughs> yeah. You're only going to get there by like working and learning and improving. And, and that's the kind of center of it all, really. I, I love to hear it. I love to hear it, but
0: Ben, again, thank you very much for taking the time and and best of luck. You know, I hope we can have you on again soon. Yeah, no
2: problem. Just drop me a line. We'll sort out. Of. All right, Got thanks, it. Ben.
1: So, Scott, that was fun talking to an actual judge who sat at major events in MMA, telling us basically the tools of the trade, kind of.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've we've spoken with you know some of the most respected referees in the game, and they've also judged as well. But you know, this is one of the the most like we like we've said several times he really is one of the most respected peer judges among his peers Uh, and he's an active judge you don't see a lot of active judges who are able to speak with media and honestly you know i think it was great that he was able to tell us so many interesting things about the way judges work judges operate you know i I bet you a lot of judges could give some fantastic insights uh, into how to watch a fight uh, and, and the things that you ought to be looking for when you're watching a fight and the things that they're looking for. I think it's great that he was able to come and join us and, and hopefully pass on some of this information to, well, obviously, of course, he did pass it on, but, you know, it, it's great that he was able to reach out to our listeners.
1: Yeah, I know. I learned a ton from him. I hope uh, everyone listening did as well.
0: I hope so, too. And, and you know, I, I also want to make sure I mention that, uh, you know, Ben has a couple of projects he works on. We we talked about his gaming uh he's he's a gamer he loves games so do i so i'm happy to promote this as well uh you know you can listen to uh, a podcast that he co-hosts uh, monthly it's about arcade games called video wizards you can find that on apple podcasts uh, and he also has uh his youtube channel one credit classics in which he plays old video games uh, and he plays them at a much higher level of skill than i can Uh, And I respect that because I played a bunch of those games that he plays, too. So that's saying something. I play a lot of games, as you know.
1: Yeah. Billy Mitchell, watch out. But moving on, you know, let's let's move on
0: to the weekend. You know, that that was fun. Let's look ahead to Saturday's fights at UFC Apex. Number seven uh, of the fight night events from UFC Apex. And the main event here, this one's kind of interesting. It's it's Pedro Munoz welcoming Frankie Edgar, the former lightweight champion, To Bantamweight, the weight that people have been pushing for him to fight at for, what, nine years maybe?
1: It's been a long time they've been pushing for it, and we finally get to see it on Saturday. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good night for Mr. Edgar.
0: You think so? He's an underdog, you know.
1: He's been an underdog his entire life.
0: (laughs) I guess he has. Uh, You know what? He, He Obviously, like you said, he makes the best of it. But I just hope that his body responds well to the cut. I'm sure it will. He's always looked like someone who very easily could make that 135 pounds, but we haven't seen him in action yet at that point. So, you know, I hope everything goes swimmingly from that standpoint. Munoz is tough. You know, he's he's got some good wins under his belt. He had that knockout over Cody Garbrandt last year. He's not necessarily the easiest draw for Frankie to take uh, coming down here to Bantamweight.
1: Now, Munoz has a bunch of performance of the night bonuses. He's got three straight guillotine wins in the UFC. He's kind of your kind of guy, actually. It's a it's a tough test for Frankie, but I I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna also take Edgar by decision here. I don't know how you see it ending, but uh, I'm I'll, I'll go with the dog here. But Munoz is really tough. I could totally see him getting a finish, and and probably not even in uh too long a time either.
1: Going with Frankie by what? Gonna go with round five rear naked choke, same way he finished. Cubs Swanson after five rounds of a beatdown and then he just put him out of his misery in the final round.
0: Don't bet that, please.
1: We're not betting, but Frankie is going to win.
0: <laughs> well, the judges, uh, at least for this one, if they are needed, if it goes to a decision like I think, uh, you know, we don't know who exactly it's going to be assigned, but it's probably going to be, you know, the likes of Chris Lee, Saudi Amato, Eric Colone, Derek Cleary, Junichiro Camillo, all these awesome guys who have been just cleaning up with great judging in nevada for these apex events we're getting spoiled at this point dan because you know something eventually the world's going to get back to normal i hope and the ufc will visit texas or virginia again and we'll be whining about the local judges
1: who knows if they even want fans ever again seems like the <laughs> ufc's pretty happy just doing events events at the apex
0: i believe fans uh are a source of income and revenue for the ufc so they they certainly want fans, unless that can be subsidized in some other way.
1: I think they're doing just fine.
0: <laughs> just fine is not enough, Dan. There's always more money. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, again, we, we really can't complain too much with the pros we've been getting for these events. But what about the the fight that you'd like to see other than Munoz Edgar?
1: I want to see Maria Agapova versus Shayna Dobson. It is a women's flyweight fight. And I think it's just a showcase fight for Agapova. I mean, Shannon Dobson has a losing record. You don't see that very often in the UFC.
0: Have you seen the line for this fight, by the way?
1: I did see it, and it, it's absurd.
0: Yeah, the last time I saw it, it was Agapova at minus 1,500. I can't remember a mixed martial arts contest in the UFC. That was so, so far out there.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. I can't even think. I was I was going to say Frankie versus BJ1. But, I mean, no, wasn't that, even that wasn't even that close. So, no, this, that, it, so. this
0: is like at least double that. It's so yeah. bad. And, and and the worst thing, is, I feel like it's kind of a lock, too. I feel like if you just did that, it would, you know, it's not going to not work out. Aguapos is yeah. going to win. This is totally a showcase, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, totally. Just going to show off her skills, and it, it's going to be an easy night for her. But what about you? What about me
0: on this UFC Apex event? Nothing. Nothing. You know what I'm more excited about? Bellator 244 Friday night, the night before Ryan Bader, the UFC's ultimate fighter season eight light heavyweight champion, defending his light heavyweight title against Vadim Nemkov in Bellator. And honestly, you could look at Bader here and and potentially Nemkov if he gets the win as the heir apparent to the crown as the best light heavyweight in the world. Now that Jon Jones is moving up to heavyweight, you could make the argument
1: can make the argument i don't think he would beat dominic reyes
0: i don't know but but that's the thing now now you start to get into this area where it's like well i don't know if the ufc has the best guy at 205 anymore i'm not sure who i would pick i think for me because i actually did think that reyes beat jones in february i would still you know if i'm putting together a rankings uh list here i would put reyes at the top but you know who's to say bader couldn't beat him i don't know
1: and we'll probably never find out either This fight
0: is, is honestly, it's very interesting because Nemkov, probably a lot of the UFC only crowd doesn't know him very well, but he's got a great resume. You know, he's got wins over Phil Davis, UFC guy, very top guy for many years, uh, PFL heavyweight tournament champion, Philippe Linz and ex Bellator champs, Liam McGarry and Rafael Carvalho. This is a really good resume for somebody who hasn't won a championship yet.
1: Yeah. Those are solid wins. He only has two losses, one being against Yuri Prohaska. Yuri Prohaska, yeah, yeah. Being touted by a lot of people as a, the next big thing at 205.
0: Well, he looked fun in uh, at Fight Island, right?
1: Right. So, I mean, a, a loss to him isn't really that big of a knock.
0: Especially a few years ago. You know, Nemkov, he's still kind of young in the sport. Uh, he's only got, I think, 14 fights or 13 fights. So, you know, there's there's still plenty of time, not a lot of miles on him. My pick here, though, is Bader by knockout. But Nemkov, he is not a big underdog here. I think last I saw, he was plus one twelve. You know, that's a there's a lot of respect on his name already coming into this. We'll see.
1: Yeah, that that's an exciting fight in Bellator for Friday night. Give you some extra fights to watch this weekend.
0: Yeah, honestly, both of these cards to me are top heavy. I think it'd be perfectly okay if you kind of just tuned in later to either one on Friday and Saturday night. But you know, we'll be watching. We'll be grading. and that's a wrap on a lengthy but hopefully fascinating episode of the couchside judges dan and i want to once again thank ben cartledge for giving his time to lend us his expert insights dan and i will be back again monday to discuss this weekend's fights be sure to subscribe to our show on apple spotify or wherever you found us follow us on facebook and twitter at couchside judges as well as myself at scott fontana my dms are open so hit me up with any feedback
1: Follow me on Twitter as well at DanUrbanMMA. Enjoy the weekend, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Later, guys.